over week one preview. It's ODU week, boys. Football season's back. Ricky, what's going on? Does ODU get their own week? Like, have we have we gotten to that point now where it's it's not like it's hate week with UVA or it's it's Carolina week, even though we only get that like every other year now? Let's ask but Andrew. It's ODU week. Let's ask Andrew. Andrew, verdict? One and two, last three times out, Virginia Tech against Old Dominion. Yeah, it's ODU week. <laughs> Fair enough. Before we get started, Andrew, who are we sponsored by? Dr. Jeremy Katz. Uh, now, Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. If you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you, be a neighbor, <laughs> not a number. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, our good friend, our very good friend, a friend that I'm very, very excited to see this weekend, Dr. Jeremy Counts, and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Yeah, you, you saved it there. It was getting kind of, it was like the the part of like Guitar Hero when you're about to fail the song, <laughs> and then and then you like saved it with a mad riff. Like that was that was well done. Like riding hey, a bicycle. Thanks. Like I appreciate it. I appreciate. Yeah, once you get back in the hang of it, it's uh, you know, like you said, like riding a bike. Like riding a bike, but hey, shout out to Dr. Jeremy Counts another year as the primary sponsor of this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate him, and I, I think we really appreciate everything that Main Street Pharmacy does for the community in Blacksburg, for the Virginia Tech alumni community. Uh, and yeah, so overall, a good guy. Love him. A little behind the scenes here I started a group chain text message with the three of us and Jeremy yesterday said jeremy you down to sponsor the podcast for another year the long and short of it is uh yeah always down to support you guys so shout out jeremy Max, shout out jeremy actual uh guys we have a depth chart woohoo uh let's talk about general takeaways like we knew what the offensive line was going to be we knew what the quarterback was going to be bashel tootin is rb1 malachi thomas rb2 i don't think it really matters we're gonna see both of them uh, Nick Gallo is still atop the depth chart. He is questionable for the ODU game per Brent Pry. So I doubt that we will see Gallo in week one. That's just my thought on it, just because I think a bigger game awaits in week two. But I don't think Gallo's injury may be quite as serious as I initially thought anyway, uh, just given the fact that he hasn't outright ruled him out for this game yet. Uh, guys, thoughts on the offensive depth chart? I uh, didn't even talk about wide receivers there, but we knew what the top four receivers were. Uh, Pry revealed that last week, but overall thoughts of the offensive depth chart. So I think for me, it's that the coaching staff is going to be really innovative this year. They're playing 12 guys on offense and defense per this depth chart, which is pretty phenomenal. I'm curious to see if the refs will let them get away with that. 13 um, if you count the home crowd. <laughs> but it, in all seriousness, the depth chart is a little different than what we're used to because they listed four different receiver spots, which means there's eight receivers on this depth chart rather than six, which is what we're normal, uh, normally accustomed to seeing. But I am kind of curious uh, about Xavion Turner Bradshaw. I think that was a name that's come up a couple times in preseason camp as a young guy who is making his way possibly working himself into some playing time. Uh, very curious to see how he's going to fit into the rotation. Tech obviously has a fair amount of depth 
this year at receiver, much more than they've had in quite some time. So Xavion may have a chance to break out into that group regardless. Also, shout out to Andrew for uh, talking about freshmen that may make an impact. Aiden Green is listed on this depth chart in the two deep. So Andrew called that one. Um, Benji Gosnell and Daquan Wright are kind of the, are listed as an or. Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be just package dependent if they're running a heavier set and they're looking for a bit more blocking. They're probably not going to turn to Daquan Wright for that. Um, yeah, I think those are my biggest takeaways, quite honestly. I, I would have loved to have seen an or two in the running back spot and have, <clears throat> excuse me, Chance Black or Bryce Duke listed. Uh, I'm still kind of high on both of those guys. But uh, regardless, Tootin and Thomas are your one-two at running back. Andrew, thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple of them. Uh, number one, as pertains to the tight end position, no shot Nick Gallo's healthy. Uh, whether the injury is long-term or short-term, I guess that remains to be seen. Uh, the key here is they want to create an air of uncertainty to make opposing teams probably not even really just Old Dominion, but even going ahead to Rutgers and Purdue, prepare for a tight end that brings a a very different dynamic than we would see out of Wright or Gosnell. Gosnell, younger, who knows what to expect out of him coming off two ACL injuries. Uh, Wright, on the other hand, a, you know, more of your pass catching tight end, right? Like not someone who's going to, or at least from what we've seen so far, I guess players can improve in theory, but at least from what the tape shows to this point, a guy that's going to get a hand on the dirt and go take out your defensive end. And, you know, if teams know that those are the only two options, they will likely scheme around that. So if anyone wants to bet me that Gallo is going to play against Old Dominion, I'll take it. I'll give you really good odds. So, you know, my Twitter handles are attached to, every piece of social media on this podcast as per the running backs as per the running backs there's no or there right i mean it's listed as a one two right with tootin and then malachi thomas i'm curious as to when we get into the thick of things right because hopefully this old dominion game is lopsided enough that we can't walk away after this week and say well, this is truly what the offense should look like, right? They like threw the book at them. That would be bad. That would not be good. I think we actually, we have a better chance of seeing Purdue's entire offense, given they have uh, a real test against Fresno State where they're only favored by a handful of points. Yep. Like a handful being three last time I checked. So, but when we get into the thick of things, like how or is it? Like what's the percentage divide of these carries? I think I maybe like convinced myself because he went to an FCS school and because he's known for dynamism in the past game that Tootin was a smaller guy. He's like the exact same size as King. So can he run between the tackles at this level? If he does, what does that mean? Like this isn't physically Kashawn King 2.0. So I'm really curious to see what that split looks like. As for the wide receiver room, like you mentioned, Ricky, uh, Eight guys in the picture, obviously, uh, holistically speaking, there's just not that many passes to go around. This is reflective of participation trophy culture. 
everyone who didn't completely fail in camp gets their name on the first depth chart. <laughs> like Jeff Collins, RIP. I mean, he's not dead, but he's no longer coaching Georgia Tech. Is <laughs> above the line. It wasn't a depth chart. He released the above the line, like ATL, like like Atlanta, right? ATL, above the line. It was basically every player that participated well enough in practice to suit up for the games, and he would just never release a depth chart. And Come all that- to Hokie Hangover for Virginia Tech Analysis. Stay for Andrew Alex's essays on uh, participation, participation trophy culture. Trophy culture. Yeah. So my column. Andrew brought up an interesting point about the uh, the injury with Nick Gallo and him being listed as a starter, and how this is strictly designed to try and confuse folks. Um, is it time for the NCA to, to institute some sort of like formal injury report? that has to be filled out like, like the NFL. I think it's trending that way only because like, betting is like becoming we've been long due for this. Betting's becoming more important, more and more important. And there's just way, there's way too much um, of like a shroud of darkness. Like you're like, you're handling the damn nuclear codes when you're talking about a tight ends injury that let's be honest, the tight end did not have a great year last year. Yeah. Like in and, and they're sitting here, you know, dancing around it, saying that he's dealing with something, but he's the starter on the depth chart. So yeah, I feel like we're we are trending in that direction. We're definitely but. trending in that direction. I mean, I kind of almost enjoy the gamesmanship of it, right? Because like, oh, yeah, my guy broke his arm last week, but he's def he's he's my starting quarterback on the depth chart. Well, you remember even even at the pro level, Belichick used to put Brady as like questionable every single week every week questionable and then at that that swung too far the other way it was like he's questionable but we know he's playing we're not going to take this seriously it like almost swung like too far the opposite direction yeah and then yeah, they I, got think that, of- I think that was just belichick with the uh you know proverbial middle finger there like, i'll do it <laughs> it's precisely what it was I yeah <laughs> i feel like that's uh, something he's known for yes uh, as a patriots fan i can attest there are eight freshmen or redshirt freshmen in the two deep on offense. Eight. Quote unquote too deep. Right. I mean, as far as we know, this I mean, let's see what happens when guys, you know, warm bodies are how many of those guys are on the honest, offensive like, line, the, Mike. The metaphor there is there's eight true freshmen that are above the line. Above the line, that's correct. Uh, it is what I've it got... is. Those, those are the eight true freshmen that in a scenario, you could imagine playing. I've got four redshirt freshmen, uh, five redshirt freshmen on the offensive line in yeah. in that two deep. Yeah, and four of the five are on the left side of the line. Yeah, I the thing that stood out to me a little bit, and <laughs> we've heard throughout camp that Brody Meadows was practicing playing pretty well uh was in the two deep Get i'm interested to see I, I yes i'm I'm interested to see what happens if a xavier chaplin big i'm using xavier chaplin as the example here because he was banged up last year i'm interested to see what happens if xavier chaplin gets banged up again is it actually going to be brody meadows at left tackle or is it going to be parker clements swinging over i still think it's going to be parker clements swinging over left tackle i don't think there's i just don't think they're going to start a redshirt freshman at left tackle uh they are behind, starting, cha- behind they, Chaplin. 
behind chat. I was like, gonna say they're literally starting a redshirt freshman. Chaplin, no, no, like Chaplin would have, Chaplin would have played last year. I think if he wasn't so hurt, I mean the offensive line was so bad that, you know, I think he would have gotten more run. Probably would have been starting at tackle, at least for part of the season. Um, Chaplin's got a little bit more experience. I mean, I know they're both redshirt freshmen, but. Chaplin's got a little bit more experience there. I'm just curious if Meadows is going to be the guy that steps in and I may, maybe so, but this is part of the thing of like taking the two deep with a grain of salt too, because, you know, we talked about the, the freshman and the redshirt freshman, even at the skill positions, but like Aiden green is the one guy who we keep hearing about and probably talked about him throughout camp. And he apparently had another really strong practice today. And Pry said, Aiden green's going to play. I tend to believe him. So I think if there's anybody on this too deep, at least from a true freshman standpoint, we we mentioned, I think there were five redshirt freshmen, I think three, two or three. Well, I mean, there's eight total, right? Five redshirt freshmen on the offensive line. I think Ricky, you just mentioned yep. um, looking at this, Aiden Green's a true freshman. Aiden Green is actually the only, yeah, he's true, the freshman only true freshman on the two deep. Listed. So, that tells you everything you need to know. He's been pretty impressive in camp. Pry's been talking about him a lot. Um, I don't think he's going to be maybe top four receivers, right? I mean, he mentioned Gosnell, Lane, Felton, and Jennings as being kind of his top four receivers. But I do think that Aiden Green's going to get some playing time. I hope to God he gets some playing time against Old Dominion. I hope, you know, he's playing a bit, especially in the second half. Uh, but if he gets some run early in the game, like if he's in some of these sets, maybe second or third possession of the game, we're seeing Aiden Green rotate in there. I think it's legit. I think he's got to play a good bit. Certainly could be the case. Uh, I don't think he's going to play as much as the guy that I picked for freshman, which is Mose Phillips, who is backing up Nasir Peoples. And it wouldn't shock me if he would also back up Jalen Stroman, depending on what kind of package they were in. Speaking of uh, freshmen, because we talked about the last podcast, Impact Freshman, we all picked one. Uh, Andrew, of course, picked Aiden Green. Uh, Ricky, you picked Mose Phillips. I picked Caleb Woodson. Each one of those players made it on the two deep. How are we feeling? Feeling about what? How are we feeling about getting all three of those right? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I think that is kind of impressive. Um, I was a little surprised to see Braylon Johnson listed on here. Again, I know they've they're listing six cornerbacks, which is abnormal um, than what to what we're used to seeing. Dante Lovett also yeah. through freshman listed. So this secondary gets pretty young pretty fast. Um, Jalen Jones is a backup, but he is a brand new safety. So you're essentially starting a freshman, or excuse me, he's essentially a freshman in the back in the secondary. Yep. So your backups in the secondary are a freshman, a junior playing his first year on defense, another freshman, another freshman, and then another freshman. A lot of true freshmen. In the secondary. So, cross your fingers. Yeah, breaking news, folks. Injuries for a team in year two of a rebuild with 60% roster turnover. Not a good thing. It's going to be yeah. everything. The health, the health of this team is going to be everything, even more so than last year. But 
I will say the fact that this many young guys are in the two deep bodes really, really well, I think, for 2024 and 2025. Um, Potentially. I mean, it, it, it certainly it, it's one of two things. Either those guys are in there by default. Right. Or those guys have earned those spots. Let's certainly hope it's the latter. Yeah, I know f- for most of these guys, we've heard about them in some form or fashion throughout camp is like, okay, the coaching staff's been impressed with them, but that doesn't really necessarily mean much of anything, right? It could mean we're we've impressed heard them, with them talk about being impressed with so many guys over the course of the years. We're impressed with them. Play. We like them, but we also have no choice but to be impressed with them and like them because they're going to have to grow up fast and they're going to have to play by default. And I mean, these are a lot of these guys, all of them really, I mean, are either we're talking about freshman, redshirt freshmen, or either holdovers from a recruiting class that Fuente did most of the recruiting for that pride said, okay, you guys can stay in the boat. Or these are guys that pride and staff have picked, right? So especially on defense, the fact that, Fry and Chris Marv and all those guys decided that they're going to be several true freshmen, especially in the secondary in the two deep tells you that they're feeling pretty good about some of these recruits they brought in. I think. What do we think about uh, Burgos at starting defensive end opposite Antoine Power Island? Surprise, not shocked. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I would have expected Cole Nelson or even CJ McCray to be in that spot. And I'm sure that McCray, Nelson, and even uh, Jordan McDonald are going to play yep. a fair amount. But uh, Burgos, true sophomore, uh, didn't get a ton of run last year, but leaps Cole Nelson and CJ McCray for what it's worth in the rotation at, at defensive end. Yeah. I mean, to describe surprised not shocked when you have a position group where when ourselves and every other podcast that can call out criticisms of the team say all right the pass rush might be the issue here it's not incredibly groundbreaking that those two guys that we thought were going to be the guys who we thought might be an issue could get leapfrogged by a younger guy who took a step forward you know, yeah, it, it is what it is. Like, if you look up and down the the defensive front, almost all these guys are Justin Fuente players. Um, most of these guys were recruited under Justin Fuente. Um, that's not so much the case at some of the other spots, especially in the secondary, right? But I think there's a lot of turnover to come on that defensive front in the next year. Next offseason, we may see quite a bit. You're obviously going to see a little bit with Pollard, Fuga, and Kendricks all gone. Yeah, so the um, entire middle, see ya. Yeah, but yeah. but I think even some of those other guys that we just we just talked about may find themselves looking elsewhere um, as this coaching staff continues to kind of remake the roster and what they're looking for. Well, to be fair, you know, if you, if you think that Pollard, Kendricks, and Fuga are, you know, plus players or not. It does give you some reassurance that at that position, you at least feel like you know what you're getting. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I mean Pollard 
been playing since he was a freshman. Say it was Kendricks. Like, yeah, you know what you're getting out of those guys. They're as close to known quantities as you can get. Yeah. And yeah. there's a little bit of veteran depth. Like, it might not be the best position group on the team, but it's one that you don't really worry about in the same way that you would worry about their uh, their trenches counterparts on the offensive side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't have anything else really in the depth chart um, other than what the hell is the SS under LS? Short snapper? <laughs> Short snapper is the only thing that we can come up with. Um, other than that, though, yeah, I mean, Basial Tootin as the top kick returner is rather interesting. Um, I'm curious to see if he or Malachi Thomas will end up getting most of the the run there. I would have thought that maybe Tucker Holloway would get a look at kick returner. Yeah, it looks like Lane jumped him. Considering that Lane is jumping him at punt returner. Yep. And we saw what Tucker Holloway can do last year, obviously. Um, it seems like he's someone that Isn't you're going like to want to get the ball. All ACC honorable mention as a specialist. That sounds right. Which is funny because it was very limited playing time that he that he had last year at the returner spot. Yeah, I mean he so, didn't even really emerge until the second half of the year in that role. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get to see him a little bit in the return game. I think he's a bit too good of an athlete to not give him some chances. Um, any other thoughts on the depth chart before we move on to this uh, this team masquerading as a college football team? You're talking about Old Dominion, to be clear. Yes, I just want <laughs> just just making sure. I was uh, saying, wow, <laughs> just making sure. Uh, Jalen, uh, probably said. Like, didn't just, he pick them to win nine games? Uh, just to wrap, <laughs> yeah, wait, wait a minute, hold up, hold up. Uh, just to wrap five up the, this year, bud. Five. Just to wrap up the conversation about punt returner, Jalen Lane jumping Tucker Holloway probably says a lot more about how they feel about Jalen Lane than yeah, Tucker yeah, Holloway because Holloway was so good last year in that role. And I actually, so, so here's an interesting discussion. I've had so I, I put up a poll earlier today about the the transfers that are going to make the biggest impact, mm-hmm. and I included Antoine Powell Ryland who all of us think is going to have a pretty pretty big impact. Ollie Jennings, which would seem to be the most impactful offensive addition. Derek Canteen, who's someone I'm excited to see. And I have multiple people respond to this saying that they believe that two, or excuse me, that uh, Jalen Lane and Daquan Felton are better than Ollie Jennings. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure I'm on that train yet. No, I so I disagree with that. I think Allie Jennings is is the best receiver of the bunch. I think that Lane and Felton potentially have an opportunity to have a better year from a statistical standpoint because Jennings is going to get, uh, I think, so much attention that some of these other guys who um, are going to be prominent and have prominent roles in the offense, I think, are going to have some opportunities. Uh, if Jennings is getting more attention, right? Maybe corner and safety help, right? That's my thought there. I think Jennings is the best receiver on the team. And I'm not sure that's, in my opinion, I don't even really think that's up for debate. So I, I think if people think that Jennings is not the best receiver on the roster, I think they're mistaken. I think he is. I feel like if you're going to say that Lane or Felton are better, you're projecting 
some serious growth from those guys. Because if you look at the track record of the three, it would seem to me that Jennings is better than both of them. Yeah, he was a higher-rated prospect and has had more success as yeah. a college football player. And Felton's been playing at the FCS level, which I think some people may be overlooking. Right. And I think that, you know, there is an opportunity. I think the way that these guys have a better year than Jennings is that outside of injury, obviously, that Jennings is just going to get more attention and it's going to open up more space for these guys to operate right in the offense. That's that's the path for that to happen. Jennings is the best receiver on the roster. Uh, like Andrew mentioned, higher rate recruit. You both mentioned this definitely has had more success than any of the other receivers. And that's not to take away from Jennings or Felton. I think they're going to be very good. Uh, but I think Jennings is definitely the best receiver on the roster. So I don't know. I think a lot of people, a lot of people on social media seem to, and, and take it with a grain of salt, obviously, but a lot of people seem to have that opinion that, you know, these guys are going to be better than Jennings. And I just, <laughs> I think Jennings is the best receiver, but you know, we can argue about, you know, who has the better stats and why at the end of the year. But I think that Jennings has an opportunity to have a real impact, an impact that, you know, a Virginia Tech receiver hasn't had in quite some time. I mean, Tech hasn't had a receiver of Jennings's caliber in a while. Seventeen in a while. Would be my pick. Yeah. Yeah, Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips. Since Phillips graduated, I don't think they've had a receiver as good. I'm not I'm not even ready to crown him better than Robinson or Turner. I mean he very well might be, but playing every week at the ACC level, like it's gonna be a little bit more challenging. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Like yeah. if, if you if you ask me to bet, like will his stats at the end of the season be better than Turner's? Like probably. But again, I mean I'm I'm just not quick to crown. Like yeah. for all I know. Felton will be great, but you know, he never will put over 600 yards in a season at the FCS level. Yeah. Like he's big. And yeah. I, you can see a lot of uses for him, but it, I, it, it's hard to crown a king. But if you have to pick your leader in the clubhouse, I'll take the guy who is the most sought after as a transfer by the guys who are looking to make additions to their team and watch every bit of the tape. Yeah. And it, I, and yeah. And like, like you said, like if you're picking one of the other guys over, him, you're projecting. Unless- Trey Turner and, and Trey Turner was like a really consistent receiver throughout his time at tech. But I was always like, he had such a great freshman year. I was kind of disappointed in how his career turned out. And, and there's a multitude of factors that go into that, right? It's not just like all Turner. Um, yeah, it's quarterback play. It's all these other things, but his stats were pretty much the same every year, which is good. I mean, he was a, a good, consistent receiver for for Virginia Tech. I'm taking nothing away from him in that regard, but uh, I think the the fan base, the students especially, saw Turner as like an Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips type. And I just never saw him that way. And I think he could have been with maybe better quarterback play. And yeah. I think he definitely could have, you know, etched his spot a bit higher in the, you know, all time receiver echelon at Virginia tech. 
but he was kind of that same receiver, you know, about 700 yards and handful of touchdowns, which is totally fine. And if Jennings gives him that, that the whole point of me bringing that up is if Jennings gives Virginia tech that that's an upgrade from last year, that's, that would be good. Like get back to that and then have some of these other guys, you know, contributing and, and considering, roles, spread the considering ball what was on the roster before Jennings Lane and Felton got got to Blacksburg. Yep. All, all three of those guys should be pretty significant improvements. Yeah. And just a quick note on Turner. He actually never got to 700 yards. So. Yeah. What were his stats year over year? Now so, that you pulled it up since you have it uh, up. Cause... Yeah. Fresh. So first of all, he never played less than 10 games in, in his four years, which is always pretty, healthy. Yeah, hey, what's impressive. the best kind of ability? Availability. Availability. Absolutely. Uh, Turner played 12 games, freshman, 26 catches, 535, four touchdowns. He also had 100 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Sophomore year, more catches, roughly the same number of yards. So he had a dip in his average. Same number of touchdowns, four. He also had 24 carries for 231. That was the year they were obsessed with the Trey Turner jet sweep. Yep. 2020, 10 games, 34 catches again, 529, very okay. similar to the year before, three touchdowns, two rushing uh, touchdowns, so five overall. And then last season, 40 catches, career high in yards at 675, only three touchdowns, though. So Yeah, so the receiving yards, he, he I was, was a little off by, but he though. was, yeah, the, it was the same. I just remember his yardage numbers. I didn't have it pulled up, rookie mistake, but he had about the same you know, year over year about the same yard. Yeah. Like in terms of the Isaiah Ford, Cam Phillips group, Mm -hmm. unfortunately Trey did not make it to that group. Right. Right. Okay. Old Dominion. Unless Andrew, you have something to add there. Uh, I was just going to say last year, we would have taken Trey Turner back. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Would have loved Not to have doubt. seen him that fifth year. Like, yep. He's a, at least last I heard of him, Canadian Football League player. Nope. Virginia he's coaching Te- now. Oh, he's coaching now? Yeah, he's doing he- high school coaching. Okay. CFL. So. I guess didn't happen one way or the other. Either way, a dude who ended up on NFL camp squads or mini camp squads or whatever. And though it's not, the ideal, I'll take some players on mini camp squads at this time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, is, is to the point that we're, you know, oh, Felton will be better than Jennings. And I, by the way, I'm not here to trash Felton. Like, I truly. Oh, we're not trashing any of these guys. I mean, this is just no. the, the reality of the situation. Yeah. Like, you hope that all of these wildest dreams of potential come to light but the fact that like you're competing for a starting position steven gosnell who had a whopping 10 receptions for 134 yards last year so not really a proven quantity at all whatsoever you know again hopefully ends up taking a big step forward but it shows you something right they weren't written in they the only one who seemed written in Maybe Lane was written in. Felton I guess Lane, yeah. In. Jennings and Lane, I would and say. Jennings sure. was, you know, it's been clear from every public comment that's been made since he came on that that is your wide receiver number one. So, 
That's what I have to say about that. I think that Jennings should be expected to be the wide receiver number one until proven otherwise. Yeah, Felton's going to be interesting. He's going to be used differently too. I mean, he's you know six foot five. I mean, you got just... multiple years out of him too, which is a good thing, right? So you know, assuming you get him back next year, you know, you have two years in the offense, a year to adjust to the FBS level. Yeah, if he shows moderate potential this season, and I, you have another year of lane too, like you'll lose Jennings, but that's when you look at this depth behind them and say, all right, like, you know, going forward, this might not necessarily be a position that we have to worry as much about as we have over the course of the last handful of years. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Felton has a COVID year left that he can use. And Lane has definitely got a COVID year he can use. You know who we're you know who we're hoping to see with, with Daquan Felton? Damon Hazelton. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I mean Damon Hazelton, Hazelton was what, caught, six three and a half, six four? Damon Hazelton caught sixteen touchdowns in two seasons for Virginia Tech. Do you know he caught that many? He was a good player. He was insane in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, he was an insane red zone player. Had 1,300 yards over two years, 82 catches, averaged about 16 and some change per reception, but 16 touchdowns. Well, that yeah, transfer that's a... was out of nowhere when he left. Yeah, well, and then he had one touchdown in eight games in Missouri. Man. <laughs> well, and, and to be uh, to be fair to him, you know, he, he didn't surpass the the 600 yard mark in his freshman year at ball state 505 yards that granted it's a very good freshman year yeah but you know he popped off the next year 802 yards in 2018 for virginia tech and eight touchdowns numbers depleted a little bit in 19 same on the touchdown side a little bit lower on the yards but i think that was more of a product of you know, the additions of Robinson and the development of Turner at that point. So he was a good player. Shout out Damon Hazelton. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, that was a great comp, Rick. I've forgotten about Hazelton, but that would be, I mean, if he ends up being that type of player, that'd be perfect. Anything else on the depth chart? No. No, I think we're good. All right, let's start here. Virginia Tech is a 16-point favorite on Saturday night, 8 o'clock ACC Network. The game is a sellout at Lane Stadium. The program announced this afternoon. Old Dominion is not returning much at all in the way of guys that have been on the roster and been there and done that. Uh, the one guy they do return is an All-American at linebacker and Jason Henderson. He is a really, really, really good linebacker. Outside of that, they don't have much, guys. They are They have several quarterbacks on the roster. None of them have taken an FBS snap uh, Wilson. I mean, they're starting Grant Wilson. He threw 13 passes in two years at Fordham. Yeah. This is uh, if that's your starter proven group. Yeah. Proven group. If that's your starter, I think you've got big problems and he's not going to have much to work with either. Blake Watson was ODU's best player by far last season. Had over 1200 yards from scrimmage. He's gone. Ollie Jennings on the other sideline. So your best returning player is Javon Harvey or Javon Harvey, 30 receptions for 558 and four touchdowns. So you don't have much 
returning in the receiving core. You don't have much in the running back room. You've got a quarterback that's pretty, pretty suspect. Yeah. Even with however many games he played at Fordham. Um, This ODU team's not very good by any metric. All right, so let's call it what it is. This is a game where Virginia Tech does not have much to gain, but a lot to lose. Uh, Luckily, I think that they won't lose. Let's make that clear. But from an optimism perspective, I think that anything less than covering this game is not going to make me leave Lane Stadium on Saturday night more confident in this team's ability to beat a Purdue or a Rutgers or a Marshall than I had going in. That's reality. Uh, and, and that's regardless of how things go for Purdue against Fresno State or Rutgers against, I believe, Illinois in week one, because those aren't depleted Sunbelt teams or Conference USA teams, whatever. Like, this is a team that's going to finish at the bottom of their conference. By the way, they did last year. <laughs> still be yep. so you get the pass in year one you can't lose in year two uh you can't even really be close please minimum two touchdowns in front of the home crowd you know people are rightfully excited we see it in the podcast numbers which by the way to our listeners <laughs> yeah shout you. out yeah thank you tell your friends leave us a review Spotify. I don't know if that even like pushes you in the search results or anything, but please do it. Lends us some credibility that we may or may not deserve. So appreciate it. Uh, lost my train of thought. Fans are excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fans, are Fans excited. will be happy. Yeah. Fans are excited. Sellout crowd. Hopefully not like a Nebraska versus Fordham sellout where the alumni just bought all the extra tickets. Uh, <laughs> so. So let me ask you guys this. One of the issues last year with the offense was the procedural penalties. This was a yeah. problem that plagued them all season long. They've got a new kind of a new offensive line. They're, they've got a bunch of new receivers, a new offensive coordinator, same play. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. New quarterbacks coach, same play caller. Do you think that there's going to be any of those like first game jitters where they struggle a little bit with this, with the, the details and the small stuff, or do we think that they have enough familiarity that they'll be able to avoid some of that in this game? Cause I feel like the, the penalties are something that keeps this game under, under two touchdowns. I cannot emphasize this enough. This Virginia tech roster on both sides of the ball is an incomplete and unfinished product. We can have our optimism that the team will be better than it was last year. We can have optimism. I know all of us picked them to win five, but we all think a bowl game is within reach. We can have our optimism that the team can reach those goals, right? But this is going to be a team that is still in a rebuild that's still transitioning. I'm not trying to throw water going into an opener where Virginia ah, Tech's better it. than a two-score two spread. But there are going to be, I would assume, open to being wrong on this, 
that there are going to be some moments in this game where Virginia Tech fans are going to be really, really irritated by what they just watched, whether it is a procedural penalty or several, whether it's a boneheaded interception by Grant Wells, hopefully whether it's several, hopefully not, hopefully <laughs> not several. We <laughs> we went over the Ryan Willis turnover numbers in the BC opener from four years ago the other night. I don't want to talk about that game anymore. <laughs> um, I I am hoping that there is clean tackling. And there's not a lot of arm tackles and because what you see a lot of, and we watched this last weekend in week zero, and we'll see it throughout the games that we watched this weekend in week one, leading up to the night nighttime kickoff is that there are some defenses that are having trouble tackling first game of the year. Virginia tech is not necessarily going to be immune to that, but my hope is that we don't see a ton of that. And if we see some of it early, that that gets cleaned up as the game goes along, that would be an encouraging sign. And something you could chalk up to, okay, maybe first game shitters, right, Ricky? Like you were talking about with the procedural stuff. My point being, yes, I do think we're going to see procedural penalties. I, I still think we're going to see some stuff that annoys us in this game, right? I don't think this team is going to be a perfect product. But this Old Dominion team is really bad. So you're hoping that Tech keeps that to a minimum. Because I think if they start doing a lot of that stuff and screwing around a little bit, Old Dominion's going to cover this spread, which is going to really upset the three of us if that happens. This Old Dominion team is not very good. They are start. We we already talked about their quarterback situation. They have three new coaches on the staff, including a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach. They also have a new cornerbacks coach as well, right? So that's three significant uh, groups there. Uh, two significant position groups and offensive coordinator that they're replacing. This is a roster and coaching staff in transition. Ricky Ronnie's been there a while, but this is a, you know, a staff and a roster in transition that has an FCS quarterback that has not played a ton, even at that level that is now going to start in this game among a group that has zero FBS snaps, uh, snaps under their belt. This needs to be, a at minimum, a three-score win. It has to be. I don't care what Virginia Tech's, you know, what Virginia Tech did last year at Old Dominion. Totally different circumstances. Tech's team was different. Old Dominion's team had more talent. This is a completely different thing this year. You're at home. You can't lose these games at home. You can't play down to your opponent like this at home. This staff needs to nip that kind of stuff in the bud in year two if we're going to see real improvement. Anything less than covering the spread in this game, to me, is going to be a disappointment. I think that any team capable of making a bowl game would whoop this old Dominion team, probably. I mean, I don't know. We've seen some pretty bad teams make bowl games over the years. But even if you look at old Dominion's team last year, which, you know, starters transferred out in many cases to go to other like group of five schools. Yeah. Allie Jones really was the exception. Yeah. And that's a team that over the course of the last five games of the season last year, actually put less points on the board than Virginia tech. Like second half last season, Virginia tech had the more dynamic scoring offense than old dominion and old dominion lost all their, Top end talent. No, but it's on Virginia Tech right now, obviously. So, yeah, like you just got to win it. Side note, though, another thing I'll be looking at 
if this offensive line can't handle Old Dominion up front, it, even if like in a game where Tech's winning handily or moderately handily, but it still feels like Grant Wells is under duress every play, that would be a bad omen. Watch the trenches on both sides of the ball. Because that will tell a big story. Last thing I wanted to ask you guys about ODU, and it's brief, but since Virginia Tech is going to play Old Dominion every year from now until 2082, uh, what are the chances that Ricky Ronnie is gone at the end of the year? Hi. The leash really that's short at Old Dominion? Hi. I, I I don't know. Like, so his first year was a wash because they decided they didn't want to play football. Uh, for his first year actually on the field, he goes six and seven. They make a bowl game. They won five, five games uh, in conference USA last year, first year in the fun belt disaster, three and nine, two and six in the conference. They did a really poor job attacking the portal this year. I don't know if it was for a lack of trying or just a lack of people wanting to go to Old Dominion. They had 58 newcomers. A lot of them were, they had a big freshman class, though. But in the three years he's been there, he obviously hasn't recruited at a high enough level to get some of those guys ready. So. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what the win total is that he's got to hit, but in four years, if you're winning three games again or two games again, which I think all three of us would think is certainly possible, this this team ceiling. Yeah, I don't is know enough about their competition, but they don't seem like they're. Well, in they're in the. Spot. Yeah, I mean they're in the fun belt, which yeah, is tough, fun. Tough league. Yeah. Um, think Tech would win the fun belt. Uh, we might we might find out in a year or two. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I needed that. Um, that was a good one, Mikey. Well Thank done. I, I love the the ability to stay quick on your toes. I'm mostly kidding. Keep your head. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like their their ceiling is four or five wins. And their floor is two. Yeah, they're a lot like uh, another in-state school, UVA, right? Oof, oof. Mike's on a roll tonight. I'm just getting Mike's nervous about all roll. the preseason trash to give UVA from a team that won three games last year. I'm not partaking in it, by the way. But, I mean, you know, it seems so, like it's a disaster. But it's just a lot of preseason my counterpoint to that would be that Virginia Tech did a much better job of adding to their roster this year than Tony Elliott and UVA did. Yeah, I mean, probably, they, gets, probably gets high marks from me was a, for his offseason. There was a pretty big net positive between the guys that they added in the portal plus uh, what we perceived to be some of the freshmen coming in. It's a pretty big net negative for UVA, right? I mean, they, they lost... Not only did they lose seniors, Ventral Cypress goes to Florida State. Like they're Armstrong gone. Yeah. I mean, they've got 
so much little talent left on that on that offense, proven talent at least. Um, and they have a quarterback who played at Monmouth. I have an ACC podcast, as you guys are aware. Uh, I am workshopping an idea, and I was texting this, and it it didn't make it into the week one preview that we recorded last night. Uh, for that podcast, but I'm workshopping an idea because they have UVA has a quarterback by the last name of Musket, who is going to be the starter. And I was thinking about calling UVA's offense the Musketeers, but then once they're really bad, call them the Mouseketeers and play my Mickey Mouse Funhouse music that I play on that podcast uh, when I am making fun <laughs> of UVA. So I am workshopping that. I just want to see what you guys thought. <laughs> Big fan. Podcast is Big called fan. the Basketball Conference Podcast. That's correct. Uh, only one way for you guys to find out if this actually comes to fruition or not, and that is to tune in. I want more Mike McDaniel content. I don't know about you. Oh, rate, rate, review, subscribe to that one as well uh, while, while pitching alternative. I, I was actually going to ask you if the Mickey Mouse Funhouse was going to come back this year for, for BC. So my my – yeah, so my uh, my brother-in-law produces the podcast, and we are on YouTube for that podcast. And uh, you got Scott working for you for free? We got uh, not for free, but we got a uh, <laughs> not for eh, mostly for free. But we had a uh, shout out Scott because I know he's going to listen to this podcast. Good guy. <laughs> we got uh, kind of a little slap on the wrist for playing too much Mickey Mouse Funhouse oh, uh, audio. Yeah, uh, YouTube slapped us on the wrist a little bit, so we're a little bit. We got to pick and choose our spots with that. Your so, your uh, big tech overlords will not permit, but so much fun to be had. That's correct. And it's uh, not my doing, Joey's doing, or Scott's doing. So I just want to make that clear. We are more than happy to play that sound as much as we can. Uh, it's more as, as much as can be permitted. Anyway, back to this. We need to uh, fight back against Disney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, back to this. Old Dominion. Uh my my whole point with this is that I don't I don't see a path here outside of Virginia Tech really, really just turning the ball over, a lot of bad penalties, really just playing sloppy football. And I think if they allow Old Dominion to be in this game in the fourth quarter, I think it's obviously a really, really terrible sign. So that's my overall thought on this game. Yeah. No, I actually mentioned this on the other podcast I do inside the tunnel VT scoop. And I was talking to uh, Doug Bowman, who's one of the writers over there. We were thinking back to last year's old dominion preview podcast, which for that one was just he and I, and he does a very good weekly in-depth breakdown of like the other team. Like he'll go back and actually watch film and stuff like that. Tell you what to anticipate. And I usually use that as my scouting report going in. And I, I read it. And on the podcast, I was like, Doug, it really seems like Old Dominion might have the better quarterback. Might have the better running back. Definitely had the best wide receiver and definitely had the best tight end. Why are we so sure we're going to win this game? And lo and behold, though it wasn't like an offensive display of firepower for Old Dominion, they won the game. They had arguably better talent. We know, at least in part, right? Because that tight end is now in the New York Jets. And Allie Jennings is the prized transfer portal recruit for Tech. It's the number one receiver in the offense this year. Yeah, it is what it is. But there was a way that you could imagine it, right? Like, we were talking about it in a way, given the circumstances, that tried to open people up to the idea that it might happen. We knew what Pry was walking into. Yeah. 
There is nothing indicating that Old Dominion should win this football game. Nothing. 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 Literally nothing. I mean, I I had to just clarify earlier because what, Ricky, what'd you say Old Dominion was? They were something masquerading as a football team. What'd you call it? What'd you say earlier? Uh, What did I say they were? Yeah, you said something masquerading as a football yeah. clown show. Was it a clown show? I forget what you used. I don't know to that I said that. a clown show, but I, maybe they're like a, uh, I don't know, like a, like like a men's league masquerading as a football team. Okay, could be. Okay, we're talking like Tuesday night beer league sort of deal, or nah, more like Saturday mornings at the wreck. <laughs> okay. Like All right. guys getting, that are getting limbered up at the Y, you know, <laughs> <laughs> gonna. I mean, I feel like it's probably more age appropriate, right? Like those it, guys uh... are, the guys at the wreck are usually like in their mid late twenties, at thirties, and they're former athletes that were like good in high school and and you know think that they can dunk, but then they can't. And then they in the, I'm uh... not playing basketball at the wreck. And then they they start fouling guys when they go up to the rim. They're sitting in the uh, staff-infested locker room at the YMCA with their (laughs) ankles and knees and ice and ice buckets. Ben Gay, baby. Ben Gay. Yeah. (laughs) I'll stick to being bad at golf. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I don't see a path for Old Dominion at all. Gentlemen, so, to you, I don't see a path. What's the What's the path for Old Dominion? Like, let's playing this seriously. Like, what is? I don't know what the path is. I'm I'm trying to give them something to hang their hat the on path. here, and I think the path is Virginia Tech screwing up, which I can't believe we're talking about this in a context of Virginia Tech being a three win team last year and us having this kind of confidence going into this game. But the roster construction is just night and day compared to a year ago, and it's just so much better than what Old Dominion's fielding on paper. Tech should have gotten better. Old Dominion's clearly gotten worse. Yep. The path to a win for ODU includes multiple turnovers, probably a a defensive score. I was going to say a defensive score or a special team score and a fair amount of penalties. And then overall, it'll just, there will have to be some better than expected play for, from ODU. Like maybe Grant Wilson has a good game. Right. I mean, we're not going to sit here and predict that because it's not on his track record, but maybe we don't some know of those guys. Yeah. Maybe some of those guys play better than, than we're expecting them to on paper. And then Virginia tech fumbles the bag. Uh, and maybe fumbles the football. And, and, and I think that's how they lose. I mean, that's kind of how Tech lost last year, right? They fumbled the bag. They yeah. snapped it over the holder's head. So, and that's a 10-point swing there. And, you know, they let Old Dominion drive down the field late and score. Like, that's how they lost. I I tend to think that this offense is going to struggle early on. And I think that's I think that includes this week. I'm not expecting this offense to be crisp in week one. I think this is even if the, the the defense they're playing is not very good. I think the offense gets better as the season goes on. They're going to be a bit more a bit more accustomed to each other. They're going to have a, a better idea of what guys are working in, in what situations. I think you're going to see some of those those jitters that I discussed earlier and brought up earlier. Um, and 
I think that that's going to keep this game a bit closer than than we all want. Does Virginia I'm not Tech? Asking for, I'm not asking for perfection, but for the love of God, please like outgain Old Dominion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I actually still won't be happy if they win by double digits and they didn't outgain Old Dominion. Well, because that's going to be a surefire sign. I know they have a really good linebacker, right? Jason Henderson. He's a really good linebacker. But if Virginia Tech does not outgain Old Dominion significantly in this game and doesn't score at least 28 points in this game, we're probably trending towards, at least after game one, trending towards another year where Virginia Tech is one of the worst offenses in the Power Five. And they are not supposed to be that this year. They are supposed to be a bit improved from what they were a year ago. Like, a bit. Considering what they brought in at the skill positions, this offense on paper has a chance to be better. And if we don't see it in game one, man, I don't know. Look, if wide receivers can't get separation against Old Dominion, that's not a good sign. If the offensive line can't get a significant push against Old Dominion or give pass protection to allow Grant Walls to somewhat do what he wants, that's a bad sign. Grant Wells is making boneheaded decisions and turning the ball over against Old Dominion when he supposedly should have superior wide receivers that will get separation and ample time, that would be a bad sign. If Brent Pry can't get this team up for this game when they lost last year, are at home in front of a sold-out crowd, and are coming up a three-win season with something to prove, that would be a very bad sign. That's why I'm saying the only thing that can beat Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech itself. And uh, again, I don't think it will happen. I think Virginia Tech should roll. Uh, I'm just basically giving a potential negative spin that there that last year... I don't think I was calling it a five-alarm fire when they lost that game, even knowing that it probably meant the team wasn't going to be very good because I didn't expect the team to be very good. A loss this year against Old Dominion would tell us infinitely more than a loss last year against Old Dominion did. Like, again, it's still a nightmare if we end up in a 2019, or excuse me, 18 would be the season. Furman or Rhode Island game, a 2021 Richmond game, or even letting the team hang in there significantly for a half to three quarters. Come on. Like, for once, for the first time in years, it's got to be a spot where Virginia Tech takes care of business in a game where they're supposed to take care of business. We're going to get into our ACC picks, but since Virginia Tech is playing Old Dominion this week, I just want to start with this game off the top. Does Virginia Tech cover the 16-point spread, Andrew? Yes. Ricky? No. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I like Virginia Tech by, I think, three scores. I think it's going to be 17 to 20.1. Andrew mentioned some of those horrors from years past. Furman, Rhode Island, Richmond. I think we're going to see a little bit of that in this game. I think Virginia Tech wins. I don't think they trail at any point in the game. But uh, I'm looking at something like 27-13. Man, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I guess it depends on if it's like a 27-6 I'm not going to be happy with it, but that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm not expecting to be super thrilled with game one. 
If it's like 27 to six in the fourth quarter, I'll be like, all right. If it's like 17 to 13 and Virginia Tech's guys score a couple times late to pull away, then I'm like really not going to be pleased. If we're we're in a a single score game in the fourth quarter, second half, then we've got a, we've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. There, there shouldn't be a scenario where you're still kind of on edge because you're one play away from things going pretty wrong. Like I'll I'll go on the other side though, because this has been very negative, like oddly for no reason, just because I think this is all of our our PTSD coming at us. Like what if they lose kind of deal, but what would you have to see out of Virginia tech against old dominion, who we've now said is probably really bad for you to be more excited or maybe not more excited is the right word. Do you feel like you are more confident in Virginia Tech's chances against Purdue or Rutgers? And, you know, we can't factor in what happens to Purdue and Rutgers in this. Like, just from Virginia Tech's overall stature in your mind alone, what would you have to see for that stock to go up? I have two things. Holding Old Dominion to less than 200 yards of total offense would be one. And then number two offensively for Virginia Tech to score at least 30 or more points and to win convincingly, you know. Um, Those would be the two things I'm looking out for. And it's all about the point you brought up earlier, Andrew, which I thought was a really good one, about winning the game in the trenches. I think those would be kind of two telltale signs that, that, you know, that occurred. Yeah, I, I think anywhere from like 35 to 38 points on offense plus in a, a fair amount of rushing yards. And yeah, I'm going to go with Mike. I think under 200 on, on defense makes, makes for a good day. Yep. How about you, Andrew? And some sacks. Can we get some sacks? Please? Yeah. Some sacks would be good. Yeah. Like, like three, four. That'd be great. I mean, honestly, just like a big game in the air and confidence from the offensive line. You know, if, I mean, it's a big telltale for me, right? If they can dominate in the trenches, that leads you to believe that they can at least hang with the bigger boys. Yeah. They didn't dominate in the trenches last year. You know, the rest is history. So I'd like to see that. I'd like to see, uh, and obviously the roster walks away intact. That would be nice. Yeah, no no uh, significant injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys touched all the bases, just like maybe a little bit of evidence, because like Ricky said, you don't necessarily expect the offense to be humming in these first couple of weeks, which is frustrating because there's some seemingly winnable games in these first couple of weeks. Yeah. But if it looks like they're ahead of schedule on that chemistry and you know, development there, that would be you know, that would instill some confidence too. So, you know, overall, just to dominate him, that'd be great. So you and I have tech covering. Ricky has uh, Old Dominion narrowly covering. Yeah. Let's get into our ACC picks. Let's start Thursday night. Elon at Wake. I, I, I mean, Wake. <laughs> I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the spread is. I think the most important part about this game is that 
per vivid seats. Tickets are as low as $8 right now. <laughs> That's a bargain. Then you got to worry about the fee is end up paying like yeah. $12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the spread is, but wake. NC State at UConn Thursday night, 730 CBS Sports Network. Don't sleep on the Huskies. I mean, I have NC State winning here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You, uh, you kind of think could make it competitive. They're not yeah. that bad. Like they're not as bad as they've been. They keep it competitive. But I like NC State here. I'm gonna take NC State to cover 14 points. Yeah, UConn's kind of back. Is it Adam Lechtenberg there? Is it uh, Central Central Connecticut? That's where <laughs> Adam Lechtenberg is. I was close. UConn is uh, Jim Bora. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I don't mean he's the head coach. I think at some point, Adam Lechtenberger. No, I think he is the head coach at Central Connecticut. No, no, no. Well, someone from the Fuente era, and it may be Lechtenberg, who then went from, like, director of football operations to head coach at Central Connecticut State. Yeah. But at one point, he was at UConn. I'm not totally off. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of funny if he was head coach. Yeah, he is. Adam Lechtenberg is the head coach for the Central Connecticut Blue Devils of the Northeast Conference. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Please tell me. He at one point was at you. Either way, I'll take NC State to win. I'll take UConn to cover. I I have UConn covering as well, but I think NC State wins. Uh, Friday, Miami, Ohio, at Miami. Which one's the real Miami? The Hurricanes are sixteen and a half point favorites. Give me the Red Hawks to cover, baby. Let's go sixteen and a half. I you're telling me to trust the Hurricanes in Game One? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. No. If you thought $8 was impressive, uh, tickets are as low as $6 for this game, which is just beautiful. I mean, Miami fans won't even watch their own team play at home. So Absolutely. Miami of Ohio fans will. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Miami uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line on this one to cover that spread. Miami is probably still going to be figuring some things out on offense this year. Yo, Adam Lechtenberg went from Virginia Tech to co-offensive coordinator at Division II Central Oklahoma to head coach of FCS Central Connecticut State. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Over under well, seven it does. Years he's he's until going. Adam Lechtenberg ends up coaching an FBS team. He's not. <laughs> he's uh, he's coaching. He's coaching directional state schools <laughs> at a lower level than the FBS. I. No disrespect. I don't know. I just thought that you know Central Connecticut State was a. Uh, you know, valiant, respectable football program. Regardless, what game am I supposed to pick here? I'm the one who's going to play. Miami oh, and Miami. Sorry, Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio against Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I'll take Miami Hurricanes. Okay. Uh, also on Friday, Louisville playing against Georgia Tech in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium a mile from their campus. Uh, Louisville, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you guys got? Cards. Yeah, Louisville to win and cover here. I have Georgia Tech covering Louisville winning. Don't hold me to it. Saturday at noon on ABC, Virginia goes to 
uh, not Knoxville. They're playing this game in Nashville for some reason um, against number 12, Tennessee. Tennessee is a 28 point favorite. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible matchup for UVA. Uh, show me the path to UVA keeping this competitive. If somebody does that, that would be good. So I, I post this question on Twitter and pretty much the only responses I got were, well, they're going to play really hard since their first game since tragedy. I agree with that. I think they are going to play hard. I have no idea how they are going to keep up with Tennessee in this game. I have no idea how that's going to happen. Uh, give me Tennessee to win and cover. This could get really, really ugly. Really, really ugly. This would be a catastrophic way to start the season if they don't cover this 28-point spread. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think. Give me the Vols. Yes. Andrew. Right there with you guys. I just don't see... This is not a me being a UVA hater as a tech alum. This is like legitimately, I have no idea how they're going to keep this game competitive. No idea. To be fair, I wouldn't have much of an idea how tech would keep a game competitive, but I'd like their chances no, no, a little no. bit better. Uh, yes. Tech's, no, yeah. tech's defense is not awful enough to the point where I think they lose by 28. And Virginia Tech's offense is a higher ceiling than UVA's too. We'll get to that game later in the year. Uh, Northern Illinois at Boston College, noon on ACC Network, BC, eight and a half point favorites. Tickets are as low as $5 for this banger of a game at noon in Chestnut Hill. Uh, Give me Northern Illinois to cover that spread. Me too. And potentially a chance to win this game. Me too. I think BC is going to be terrible this year. Andrew. I think BC is going to be pretty bad, but I like them to win and cover against Northern Illinois. Okay. I think UVA and BC might be having a rock fight this year to determine who's the worst in the conference. Hopefully Virginia Tech doesn't have much to say about that. Pittsburgh hosting <laughs> Wofford, 330 ACC Network. I will not be watching this game. Hopefully you guys won't be watching this either. Nobody's yeah, picking I, Wofford, right? I, I feel like this is a sicko game. Uh, I don't know what the spread is, but I'm going to bank on Pitt covering it. It's not as sickening as the next game we're about to pick. Andrew? I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, with this on ACC Network before the Tech game, talk about a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, and we almost lose to Wofford last year, too. Just I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about absolute it. Absolute bangers on, the, on week one schedule, man. Colgate. <laughs> on the road at Syracuse, 4 p.m. ESPN Plus, ACC Network Extra. It's the Jefferson Pilot Sports Special, boys. You're going to find this game on, like, the CW or, like, if Comcast Sportsnet, <laughs> for those who know, like my if, OGs. If you are so inclined to attend this game, you can do so for as low as $4. If anyone wants to bet, over a hundred dollars on this game. Screenshot the bet slip. <laughs> DM it to me with some proof that it was actually you who did it. I'll contribute ten dollars to the cause <laughs> just because you know I, I, I want someone to be watching this game. And I think it's best that it's one of our listeners. Y'all know what state Colgate is in? New York. It is. 
I, but I had to Google that. I didn't know that. Cool. Go good, Raiders. good basketball program over there. Go Raiders. Number 21, <laughs> North Carolina. Playing South Carolina. The Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Andrew, surprised you're not going to this one instead. Honestly, I was, I was offered free tickets today to it. So it's a shame that I'm not going to be there, but I'd rather be in Blacksburg anyway. Yes. Uh, uh, both of these programs are fraudulent. Uh, I'll take South Carolina to win. I like South Carolina here too. Carolina, by the way, North Carolina is a two and a half point favorite. I like South Carolina because they're going to play, I think, at least a little bit of defense. And North Carolina is replacing an offensive coordinator. So as much as I like Drake May, uh, it's a new OC. Not really sure how it's going to look in game one against an SEC school. Ricky. I'm torn, honestly. I mean, it's a coin flip. Um, yeah. Generally in these games, I lean on which team has the better quarterback. I'm going to bet on Drake May. So I guess give me Carolina. I should say North Carolina to cover this game. That's fair. Number five, LSU. Number eight, Florida State. Camping World kickoff game in Orlando. This is the only ranked-on-ranked game of the entire weekend in college football. And wow. it's going to be an absolute banger at 7.30 on Sunday night on ABC. LSU, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Boys, who do you got? It was a banger last year. It was an exciting game. Uh, I'm going to be an ACC homer here. I think Jordan Travis is a very talented player. I think that uh, Mike Norvell actually might have something good going here so uh i'll buy that hype and i'll take florida state to uh represent the conference well florida state's natty hopes are going to end week one give me lsu i don't know about all that i i uh i i i'm picking lsu too by the way i just i don't think okay so just to have a reasonable conversation real quick about this game like I think out of the two teams that's more likely to play in a national championship, I think it's LSU rather than Florida State. I know Florida State's like this trendy pick. I think Florida State is uh, playoff good, certainly. I think they have a playoff roster. I don't think they have a national championship roster, if that makes sense. So I think Florida State, Florida State, by the way, is my pick to win the league. I think Florida State is going to win the ACC. Uh, I think they're going to beat Clemson. They're, they're going to play Clemson twice. I think they're going to play them in mid-September in the regular season. I think they're going to play them again in a rematch. But I don't think Florida... I, I've been back and forth on this all week. I actually flipped my pick mid-podcast last night on my ACC pod. I actually picked Florida State originally because LSU is missing Mason Smith and all SEC defensive linemen in this game. He's suspended for doing some NIL thing like two weeks before NIL was approved like an idiot. So I think that's a significant loss for LSU on the interior defensive line. But big game Brian Kelly versus big game Mike Norvell. Like, Kelly is a better coach in big games than Norvell. Uh, there, there is a reason that Mike's Twitter avatar was Mike was Brian Kelly for... Screaming with a holiday like hat two on years. Don't yeah. Don't you dare call that a holiday hat. Oh, a Christmas hat. I'm sorry. I yeah, don't Jesus. want to offend anybody. Jesus, Mike. That's come on, bud. <laughs> I offended more people by saying that. I think than I, I I never pegged you to be that kind of person. Uh, <laughs> did not. Here's, have that here, here's what I'll say to Mike's point from earlier. Only in college football in its current form and, and state can you have a situation where I believe. Florida State probably has a higher percent chance to make the playoff 
but LSU has a higher percent chance to win the national championship. Yep. Yep. Because we're living in a world currently in a four-team playoff where there are national championship-level teams left out of the dance because there's only four. And some teams play in tougher leagues than others. Not all games are created equal in college football. I know they always say, like, oh, every game counts for one. Not in college football, <laughs> because with FCS opponents and everything else, no, not in college football. Uh, all right, so Ricky and I have LSU. Andrew's picking Florida State. Regardless, it'll be a really good game. I think this is a coin flip game, too. So, Moving on, Monday night. There's a, there's a chance, by the way, we, re- we record the recap for this Virginia Tech ODU game before this next game takes place. Number nine, Clemson, is playing against Duke in Durham. Uh, Clemson is a 13-point favorite on Labor Day night, 8 o'clock ESPN. I have I'm taking Clemson here. I don't know how Duke is going to block Clemson's front seven for four quarters, and I think that leads to Clemson being able to pull away a little bit. So I got the Tigers. I'm a believer in Kate Klubnik, and I think Clemson's going to win the conference. So good pick as well. Losing to Duke week one would seem to go against that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think not covering a 13-point spread would go against that argument. Um, mm-hmm. As as stout as Mike Elko and his group are and as much as they overachieved last year. So I will take the Tigers in this game to cover. Yeah, I don't want to take anything anything away from uh, Duke and Mike Elko. Great season last year. I think Clemson is just at a different level. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to recreate that magic in a bottle that Duke had last year. Duke? Like lost all of their games combined of their four losses by less of a margin than Virginia Tech lost to Duke. That might be true. <laughs> if it's what not, do you mean it's, might be true. <laughs> just I'm looking at their schedule right now and trying to do the math. <laughs> Two, three, five, eight, plus seven. Eight plus seven is fifteen. <laughs> this is like the me. listeners are getting an absolute twenty-four minus right seven in research. Like, this is like me at like oh, two yep, p.m. No, on, yep, on no, Tuesday. That was true. That was true. That was true. Either way, uh, yeah, Duke had a great season last year. Uh, not the most challenging schedule. It's been the most challenging team that this unit has ever faced. Uh, I think Dabo will come out prepared. They'll win by like more than thirteen points. Yeah, probably like twenty-one. So if you're if you're at home keeping track, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Andrew Alex on this podcast has one given a stump speech against um, the. I, I I'm sitting here trying to roast Andrew, and I can't even can't remember like what it was called. Participation trophy culture. Yes, I forgot and for a second. Given as us well. an absolute masterclass in research and mathematics. Where else are you going to get this kind of content, folks? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, look, it's 11.48 p.m. at the time of this recording. And uh, and then you get some Andy after dark. <laughs> Andy after dark. <laughs> Might we not like be the that. most polished product, but I, I hope everyone's glad to have me back. <laughs> Andy after dark sounds like something you would need to pay a subscription fee for. <laughs> you know, maybe we shouldn't put this podcast on video. <laughs> One thing I would say. 
enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy Blacksburg for those of you going. Rape oh, wait, 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 wait. Hokey House pregame show. Hokey House pregame show. 5 p.m. If you don't have a tailgate to go to, or you do have a tailgate to go to and you want to hang out, I will be uh, back on the airwaves at ESPN Blacksburg hosting the oh, Hokey wow. House pregame show. Uh, return. This Saturday, again, 5 p.m. at Hokey House. Come on back. It's a lot of fun. Dr. Beautiful. Jeremy Counts and our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Well, this will not be on behalf of the pharmacy, legally speaking. This would just be Jeremy. He'll probably buy you a drink. <laughs> probably so. Uh, <laughs> I have been around for those pregame shows before, and that's something he may or may not do. Uh, Every time without question. Andrew, best of luck making it through hosting that podcast, that podcast, that radio show, excuse me, after tailgating all day. Uh, I'm purposely not showing up until an hour before the radio show <laughs> for my own, uh, for my own sanity. Andrew's going to need a liquid IV. I will by the, I will by the next morning to play the river course. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Life is make good, a, baby. Make a weekend we, of it. We like that. Okay. Ricky, rate, review, subscribe, right? Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, Andrew said it earlier. Numbers have been really good lately. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your non-friends. Share it with your ACC football friends. Uh, this is going to be a big year, I think, for Hoagie Hangover, and I'm looking forward to actually watching some Virginia Tech football this Saturday. This is the uh, the fifth season, the beginning of the fifth football season that Damn, we're old. the Hoagie Hangover podcast has uh, covered. And uh, you know you love to uh, you love to see it. You love to hear it. Uh, the first game that we ever had to recap was that Ryan Willis interception game that you oh, guys God. mentioned earlier. Mike said, uh, "Don't bring that up again." Okay, I brought it up one more time. He's shaking three his times, head. three times. The last two podcasts we brought this. This up. is why we need to have a video portion of the pod so they could see the disdain on Mike McDaniel's face when Andrew brought that up. Also, uh, one other thing of note for the listeners. Uh, I did spend a lot of this podcast zoned out <laughs> online trying to find out uh, where Kishon King stood in the Western Michigan depth chart. Well, there does not seem to be enough coverage of Western Michigan for that information to be publicly released. But I can tell you, if you are interested in seeing for yourself, uh, on Thursday, August 31st, which will be the day this podcast is released, the Broncos of Western Michigan will be taking on St. Francis of Pennsylvania, former home of now uh, Jackson State quarterback who went off, Hendon Hooker 2.0, Jason Brown. That'll be 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. All kinds of storylines there for you. I recommend you all check it out. <laughs> I mean, that was a hell of a breakdown. <laughs> Mike um, is absolutely in awe. That was like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, is what that was. <laughs> oh God. My favorite part about these is that we usually go off the rails for like five minutes before we wrap it up. I, I, oh, I think yeah. that's I think that's my favorite part about the hooky hangover is that the lot you have to listen the entire episode or else you miss the comedy at the end which is arguably the best part well we're gonna end this though because i'm gonna try to edit this before i go to bed so <laughs> fair enough uh so we'll we'll be back 
at some point to recap this game. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, we can probably. Yeah, we got time. We got time. Sunday and Monday where we can do it. Yeah. You guys off work Monday? Oh, yeah, I am. I'm actually buying new golf clubs on Monday. Oh, okay. It's the only logical way to spend mass amounts of money. I'm stoked. I'm going to set in 12 years, boys. We're going to work this podcast around that for sure. (laughs) Uh, And then we're going to talk about what clubs you are going to get off the air potentially. So that's what we'll do. Love it. Love it. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. Hokey Hangover, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back to recap this Old Dominion game. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Enjoy week one across college football. As always, go Hokies.